Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on The Porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch, and I'm joined, as always, with Mr. Joshua Timms. What's up, team? And Mrs. Elena Haas. Hey, guys. And today, we have a special treat because Elena is not solely representing all females everywhere at all times. We have Allie Beth Stuckey in the house yes. representing. Hello. I'm hey. glad to be here. Welcome, friend. So Allie joined us at a conference that we had called Awaken. Uh, if you missed it, you missed out, but she shared there and we just thought it'd be worth bringing her in to talk about different subjects kind of facing culture. So Allie, tell us a little bit about yourself, yeah. what you do right now. Yes, I host a podcast called Relatable. It is three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we talk about culture, news, and politics from a Christian perspective. And so we talk theology, we talk about some cultural trends and how we should approach it from a biblical perspective. And we also, you know, talk about fun topics that I know you guys do on this podcast as well. Um, Really, we just kind of try to break down the craziness that's going on in the world and make sense of it through the lens of Scripture. And I also commentate on TV, on the news, and I write. I'm writing a book, and I've been doing this for the past few years or so, just kind of in the realm of Christians and politics and culture and news. So you are a Christian and an yes. outspoken conservative. You would, you would claim that title? Yes, yes. So what are the biggest like um, pushbacks that you get from Christians or from conservatives? Because I would Ooh. guess you'd get some of both. I would guess you'd yes. get Christians who are like, hey, this is not Jesus-like. Def- well, okay, so I get when I'm talking about theology, when I'm talking about Christianity, you get from people who are conservatives or Republicans, hey, I like your politics, leave your Jesus, leave your Bible stuff out of it. I just follow you for politics. And then there are people who... Um, follow me just for theology who say, or just for talking about things from a biblical perspective who say, okay, I like when you talk about the Bible, but I don't like when you talk about politics. Now I will say that is more rare. It is more likely for someone who likes my politics to not my, like my religious views than it is for people who like my religious views to not like my politics. That's just been in my, in my experience. And so, but I've just decided that that is, I don't really know how to separate those issues. And I'm both, I'm passionate about both of them so much and that I always find an intersection that I think is worth exploring and I found a lot of people are looking for that a lot of people don't like it and that's totally fine with me okay so I came across you by uh, some video that was shown to me that was hilarious that um, I don't even know if you made it it was the AOC parody yes thing. I did and make this it. is not an endorsement I'm not saying <laughs> that this is the favorite video of all time or or anything, but it was hilarious. It's not your favorite video of all time. Well, I would put it in there too. I would say, remember the Titans. Okay. And that video. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Very so. close. Uh, okay. But uh, was that you or what? what? Oh, yeah. So I do. In the political space, I do employ humor and satire in a way that I think is effective without tearing someone down and doing ad hominem attacks. I do think that using humor and using satire and even using sarcasm to an extent to make a legitimate point is very effective. I mean, we see it on SNL. We've seen it with Colbert. We've seen it with Jay Leno for a long time. But the other side of the aisle is able to do that effectively as well. I thought it was just a funny thing. I've done another thing where I did... um, a DNC ad where I just kind of parodied some of their talking points and flipped them on its head and it actually ended up being super effective. It's not just 
I don't just do skits that are silly or that are funny or that are attacks. I try to make a legitimate point through humor that makes people think a little bit differently, and I always have a lot of fun doing that. I love it, man. It's a blast. It's it's worth seeing. So let me give a disclaimer that less and less feels relevant, but I'm going to give it now is that um, this, this is not an official endorsement of a particular a party. Jesus was not a Republican. He was not a Democrat. Yes. He didn't come to take sides. He came to take over, and he came to take over the human heart. And he uh, was the party of the lamb, as you'll hear if you listen to the porch all the time, not the donkey, not the elephant. Party totally the agree. Well, at the same time, I, I say it's less and less relevant because there are some, to your DNC platform things, things that are continuing to be really concerning, not just like believed by certain groups, but written in and uh, written into like the platform of one political party. And a couple of those I know are passionate, are passion points for you. Um, and I would think abortion mm-hmm. would be one. What are some of the other things that, that uh, yeah. you would say, hey, I'm concerned about the perspective that a lot of young adults are having more and more on some of these issues. Yeah, a lot of them are social. I think politics and policies can be a little bit complicated to the point where, uh, you know, Bible-believing, godly Christians can disagree on policies, on um, how to enact justice in a way that glorifies God. And I think it's possible for us to disagree on particular politics, but there are some things that are so cut and dry that the Bible is so clear and explicit about that it's really hard to justify taking... um, a more what I would call progressive progressive view on them. And one of them is abortion. And so if you kind of look at, um, and I don't want to say progressivism because it sounds a little bit too political, but that's really kind of what it is. Um, if you look at it as a holistic movement of the taking away of God from the center of the human life, from the center of morality, from the center of community, from the center of theology, um, what has happened, especially, not only, but especially on the progressive left, is replacing the God of scripture with the God of self. And what happens is autonomy becomes the greatest value, authenticity becomes the greatest principle. And so everything everything that falls under moral relativism and everything that centers around the self becomes okay. So that happens in abortion where convenience trumps a a physical life that also happens with socialism. What can the government do for me? And uh, we see this with religious liberty saying, well, no, I should have a right not to be offended. You should not have a right to have your religious views. Um, We really see a moral relativism taking over. And I won't even say the Democratic Party because I agree. It's not really about party labels. It's just about um, the the church of God versus people who are outside of it. And I would say the God of self is taking over and it does manifest itself in some political ways, a couple of them being abortion, socialism, even issues within sexuality, like the redefinition of marriage, the redefinition of gender. Uh, One example is the Equality Act, which is being uh, put forth right now in Congress and passed the House. It probably won't pass the Senate, but it is supposed to be this vehicle for equality, this vehicle um, to help those who have, some people would say, who have been marginalized, people in the LGBT community. But what it actually is, it's it's saying you do not have a right as a doctor to uh, deny someone an abortion. You don't have a right as a doctor to not do a sex change surgery. You don't have a right as a parent to not affirm your child's gender identity. You do not have a right as a teacher to teach biblical values. You don't have a right as a private school even not to uh, not hire someone based on their sexual orientation. So what it is, is we see this kind of progressive revolution, the sexual and moral revolution taking over our government to where freedoms and especially religious freedom is being choked out. So 
I find the line in the sand, kind of like what you were saying, um, being more and more clear. Now, that said, the caveat that I'll give is that you said too, is that that does not mean that all Christians are Republicans. That doesn't mean that you have to vote Republican to be a good Christian. Doesn't mean that when God saves people that they become Republican, but it does mean that we uh, align we align our justice and our views and our political views, our views on marriage, et cetera, with the Bible. And I have just found in my own experience that typically aligns me with the conservative worldview. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, what would be a couple other issues that you would say, this just feels kind of bizarre and it's happening in culture and it doesn't feel consistent with a Christian worldview? Um, I would say the insistence upon uh, the redefinition of gender, of not being able to say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman and that we are actually punished by social media giants and can be punished. For example, there is a case in Canada, this unfortunate man that's been reported on by several news outlets whose daughter wants to transition into be a man. Well, now he is being held liable and was just charged in court for not referring to the proper gender that his daughter wants to be referred to, which I think is he, but she's biologically a she, um, because he refuses to refer to her as her preferred gender identity and wow. refers to her by her biological sex, he's actually being charged for emotional violence. That's happened in the UK as well. And you just wow, fear crazy. that in the United States, in the name of compassion, in the name of care, yeah. in the name of tolerance, um, our freedoms to acknowledge biological reality are going to be choked out. That I think is scary and Christians should care about it. Yeah, I, so I have a question here. I'm just like listening to you and I'm intrigued because what feels like freedom actually sounds more like bondage here. Like help me as a young adult, as I navigate what sounds like tolerance and like this is a good thing and we're actually allowing people to have all this freedom. But actually in reality, what we're doing is we're creating bondage. Now they're almost saying I don't have the right as a Christian to say what yeah. I believe inside of that. How, how would you educate me or anyone listening to like navigate those waters? What, what, what's the best way to do that? I would say we have to be able to distinguish according to God and according to the Constitution, since we do live in the United States, what is a right and what is a privilege. A lot of people believe that it is a right not to be offended, that you have a right not to be offended, you have a right not to be excluded. Well, no, that's not true. We have a right to practice our religion the way we want to, to speak the way we want to, um, to believe what we want to in this country as written in the Constitution, but you don't have a right not to be offended or not to, um, for example, there's, you know, the whole wedding cake debacle that happened yeah. in Colorado with Jack Phillips, the, the cake baker, where he refused to bake just a wedding cake, not any cake, but a wedding cake to a gay couple. Now, he also does not bake Halloween cakes. Like he is very uh, serious about his religion and about his religious convictions. While well, he had to fight through court all the way to the Supreme Court to be able to say, um, I have a right to so-called discriminate against people according to my religious conscience. And he absolutely does, because according to our Constitution, he has the freedom of to exercise his religion as he sees fit. But that couple does not have a right, according to the Constitution, to buy a wedding cake. They can go anywhere they want to. And so we have to be able to distinguish as thoughtful people, what is a right? What is a privilege? What should the government step in and do? I also think it's really important for people to think, okay, what if the shoe was on the other foot. Yeah, it sounds really good when we're being inclusive and tolerant and the government is saying you have to include this person. But what if this was you? What if you were forced to do something that yeah. 
according to your conscience, you didn't believe was right. I just think it's easier if we say, no, the government should give freedom to conduct their business, to do and say the things that they see fit according to their own conscience. Yeah, that's helpful. It's almost like we, as a society, are sacrificing freedom to the God of equality. It's like people care more about everything being equal, not, not even to the gender thing, but stuff we were talking about earlier, of um, whether it's around money, whether it's around um, disparity between the poor, that people need to come in and the government to the wage gap, which I know you've, you've touched on a little bit, that um, we need to mandate and, and we need the government to be the solution for our problems and make everything equal for everybody, even if it's at the expense of freedom for people and um, yeah. it's, just a, it's a weird time that we're living in. It's crazy. And I think it's also a wrong definition of equality and equity that people have. They think equality is supposed to be equality of outcomes, that everyone has to end up in the same place for things to be just. Well, that's not true. There are always going to be things that put certain people at a disadvantage and certain people at an advantage. There are all kind of isms in the world. There are some people who you know, don't like women, who don't like a certain people. There are some people who discriminate. There are also choices that people make that make their lives end up differently than someone else. But a lot of people think equality means that uh, we all end at the same place, equal outcomes, no matter what. We've got to do whatever we can do to make sure that people who are making more money don't. People who don't make any money make more. And it just doesn't work like that. It's too complicated. It's um, Thomas Sowell has a really good book called Quest for Cosmic Justice. He calls cosmic justice really what a lot of people refer to as social justice. It's incalculable calculations of equality that human beings just cannot reach. It's like utopia. Um, you cannot do it. And when you try, it inevitably ends up unjust towards one particular group. You just drop Thomas yeah, Sowell. Yeah. You don't know who yeah. Thomas Sowell is? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's like, well, you he's should look him up. Okay. He's, he's a black professor at Stanford. Mm -hmm. Dude, he's like one of these smartest. He's an economist. Smartest people. He's like 85 right now. And um, brother's still churning out books. He's sharp. Anything that he writes. Well, I, can't, I shouldn't say that. He's got several things that are worth reading. Um, I want to say one more thing about equality that I think that people get wrong. I, it's something that I call equality through homogeny. So we see this, unfortunately, there's a movement within the church too for what people would call Christian egalitarianism, that there is no difference in the gender roles, that women should be able to do everything a man can uh, in the church, despite what the Bible says about that. They see equality, again, as sameness, like you said, um, rather than saying, no, men and men and women, according to God, are of equal worth in the eyes of God. They're equally made in the image of God, but the roles are different. The roles within marriage are different. The roles within the church are different. And people wrongly see equality as having to have the same roles. And I would say that's wrong. That's why I think you see a lot of people, for example, and again, this is not the watermark saying this, this is me saying this, you see a lot of feminists saying, well, there's no difference between men and women. There's really no difference between men and women. We are the exact same. You see this in this whole gender fluidity movement. We are all the same. Equality through homogeny. Well, it's biologically untrue. It's morally untrue. It's philosophically untrue. We can be different and still have equal inherent worth, and I think people need to recognize that as well. And it's so funny because it's there's a little there's some truth in it, right? Hey, there's no difference between men and women, and that like they're both valuable. They're both humans made in the image of God. Like that's that's like the most powerful lies the enemy gives. It's Runs like it's just truth, truth it. and you twist it. Yeah. yeah. And so it becomes like, did like, God really say exactly? Yeah. He's been doing that from the exactly. beginning. Yes. <laughs> and and. Candidly, it's a lie that then pits man and woman against one another mm -hmm. in a way that no longer they they functioning together and complementing one another. But um, yes, 
Anyways, that's awesome. So if, uh, if I was going to find out more about Ali Beth, what are you doing? Like, what, what does your life look like? What resources? I know you're working for yes. a company. Tell me about what you're doing right now. Yes. Well, life looks pregnant right now. So I'm a few weeks out <laughs> yeah, uh, from having our first, and we're really excited about that. Let's She's a girl. So we're so excited about that. Um, I also host the podcast Relatable. You can find it on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, any place like that. Of course, I'm on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and all of that good stuff. I'm writing a book right now that'll be out in 2020, and it's... It is on the epidemic of selfishness and glorified narcissism that we are seeing in our culture that's leading a lot of, to a lot of these personal and political issues that we are having. Um, so that's what I'm doing, writing, speaking, being pregnant, working, um, and that's about it. That's, that feels like enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, why selfishness? Uh, because I think that people are sacrificing values like sacrifice or commitment or selflessness in service uh, on the altar of the God of self. And so kind of like what I was saying earlier, um, when your God is self, when you're serving yourself, your highest value becomes that you are doing you, that you are making yourself happy, that you are doing what feels good to you. You are pursuing good vibes and happiness rather than what God calls us to, which is a life of purpose and self-sacrifice and self-denial. We see this in the culture of self-love, of self-empowerment, of self-help, of self-focus, that you should just put yourself first, girl, and you are awesome. And if you wake up in the morning and you just tell yourself that you are Beyonce, then that is all you need to do. <laughs> yeah. and love that. Yeah, that's, that's my motto, for <laughs> yes, sure. I know, <laughs> but it's I've wrong. I'm here to okay. say that that's wrong. Maybe wrong and so, doesn't feel right. It's, uh, yeah, wrong. exactly. Right. Well, maybe the book is for you. <laughs> maybe it's for you. But um, so it's just calling young people to something more than themselves. Uh, we're called as Christians to self-denial, not self-obsession, not constant self-affirmation. And so that's what the book is going to be about and how I, actually I think Watermark gets a shout out in the book um, and how I also kind of transferred from the world of thinking everything was about me to realizing that no, my goal and my and my life is to submit to the God of the universe. And I love it. So I just heard you share um, a talk at the conference were a part of it and you shared something at the end that I think would be worth sharing again and it was just kind of on hey no matter what you disagree on as Christians here's what I think we can agree on you mind sharing that yeah so the one thing I think that we can disagree or that we can agree on we might disagree on our politics we might even disagree on things about culture and what justice looks like but the one thing that we can agree on is that our primary and even our sole responsibility here on earth is to make disciples, is to share the gospel. You'll get a lot of culturally convenient Christians out there who will say that all you need to do is to feel good about yourself, that Jesus is just this gal pal that comes along and tells you that you're pretty and awesome, um, and you're not called to share the gospel. You're not called to self-denial. You're not called to discipleship and all of these things, but the reality is is that we are. And so we have a responsibility to fill that void of um, moral relativism, to fill that void that sometimes feels awkward to us, not necessarily with our own opinions, but with the gospel of Christ, because there's nothing else that reconciles, there's nothing else that repairs, there's nothing else that changes hearts and minds and cultures and societies and countries other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That is the greatest story that's ever been told. So if nothing else, if we don't agree on anything else, we as Christians uh, can come together and unite on that hope. Let's go preach, man. Second Corinthians chapter five: The Christ is reconciling all things to Himself. Elena. 
Well, I'm just thinking... I know a lot of young adults listening can probably fall into camps right now. Either they're like, oh my gosh, I love this podcast. Like, we should talk about this more. Um, And they want to get involved in politics, but also maybe they don't know how to um, do that in a way, like practical ways. And like um, being a Christian, um, unless they're like an Ali Bestucky like you, like if you don't start your own podcast, what can you do to make a difference in that realm? But then there's also another group of young adults that's like I just kind of want to stay out of it it's not my thing like I just trust in God and just know it's all going to be good like do you want to speak to those two different polarizing yeah. groups? yeah so I would say first of all it is a responsibility of Christians to be involved in the things that go on here on earth we know that primarily um, God's will isn't done through political processes but it is uh, one way and we have the gift in the United States of America to be able to vote and to be able to participate there are millions and millions of people around the world who will never have that right and because of the rights that we have because we live in a country of self-governance of the people for the people by the people we also have rights that are recognized in our constitution that were given to us by a creator and one of those rights um, is the right to liberty and the right to life, pursuit of happiness, of course, but the right to liberty. That means that we are free to worship how we want to, free to share the gospel as we want to without fear of punishment, free to raise our kids how we want to. And so if you care about those things, which you should as a Christian, then you should participate. And now that does not mean that you have to host a podcast. Yeah. You can influence by voting. You can influence by getting uh, involved, knowing what your city council is up to, like knowing what your state representative is up to, knowing what your representative is up to knowing the issues and just participating in voting you don't have to be a culture warrior on social media this doesn't have to be the only thing that you think about but i do think that we do have a responsibility to understand the things that are going on in the world the things that very much affect our lives, our daily lives, and the people's lives of those around us. Um, understanding at the same time that our hope doesn't lie in the government, it doesn't lie in the political process, it does uh, rely on God who does not change. And our hope is that, and our knowledge is that one day Jesus is going to come back and rule in perfect peace. And we know that for sure. And so as we wait, we wait, uh, as we wait for that, we wait urgently, we wait actively. That means being uh, involved in the various realms of justice, both personally and uh, politically. And I won't get into my entire talk. I can go into my entire talk. It's important to know what the role of the government is versus the role of the church and the individual, all of that. You can read Romans 13. Um, but yeah. I would say that, you know, you don't have to host a podcast for that. It can just be voting and knowing what's going on in your district. And that is a way to infuse light into darkness. Mm-hmm. That's good. Get involved, serve, pray. Mm-hmm. Pray. Yeah. Yeah. Pray. For sure. We're commanded to pray for all those who are in high places. Yes. Yep. And so make sure that it, more than you trash or slam any political leader that you're praying for. Yes. But uh, but I think your other question is a good one to wrap up with of the person who who says um, I just don't really care that much. Mm-hmm. And I guess you kind of answered it practically. Yeah. You, you gave both. But to that person, that man, we have a responsibility to seek the welfare of the city that you live in, or seek the welfare of the surroundings that you're in. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways in a democracy, we have the blessing and burden of that is we get to vote and be a part of forming and shaping it's a democratic republic i know somebody's going to email in and be like it's not it's not a democracy (laughs) there is a troll group out there that is like it's every time oh yes hey anything else you guys have uh Allie, so fun, man. Thank oh, you God. so much yeah. for having me. This was 
great. Of just people who are stepping in and engaging. And uh, sometimes we get it right, sometimes we don't. But way to be courageous and go yeah, out there and, sure. and just say, man, hey, as a Christian, here's what God's word says. And I'm going to call people to live because I think that that's best and how people are going to flourish if they live according to God's word. So really fun. Thank you and your husband for taking time Thank to do this you. and be part of this weekend. That is all from me. We yeah. will see you guys next week on another episode of Views from the Porch. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about the Porch ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch.